We're doing a series. What's the series focusing on? I heard noise, but I only I can only have one hearing aid in while I have this on. Following spiritual priorities. Following spiritual priorities. And so today we're going to look at organizing your time to follow spiritual priorities. If you see on the screen there, we'll be in Ephesians 5. We're just going to focus on a couple of verses, a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to talk about some ways in which we can make this part of our life. I was talking with a friend last week, and he said the biggest problem in his life was he didn't apply the Word of God to his life early enough. And so now he has adult kids who aren't living for the Lord because he went to church, he was faithful to go, but church was kind of it. He didn't really seek to apply it into his life on a daily basis, and therefore uh, his kids weren't committed to following the Lord. They didn't grow in that way. They weren't drawn to that. And he said it's the biggest grief of his life. And he specifically asked me to pray on a day this month He's going to be with one of his adult kids and then another day with another one. And he's going to talk to him about the seriousness of following Christ and our accountability to the Lord and our joy in walking with Christ. And so I'm going to be praying for him on those specific days. He won't be in town, but he'll follow up with me. uh, Let me know how it went. He doesn't live here. He lives up in the valley. But see, if we don't organize our time to follow spiritual priorities, what happens? You know, there's an illustration in the Scripture. In the Scripture, the illustration is a ship that is not tied to the dock. And so when the ship is not tied to the dock, what happens? It just starts to drift away. And so it has to be on purpose tied to the dock or else it's going to drift away. That happens in our lives too. If we're not intentionally connecting with the Lord, intentionally drawing closer to the Lord, using our time for God's purposes, then we are going to drift away. And Ben, Benjamin, would you get that door for me? I'm getting some glare from outside. Oh. Oh, thanks. Sorry. It, I'm, I'm making it hard for me to be able to see. So we're going to look this morning at a couple of verses that talk about this. We read them earlier in the Scripture. I think they're on the front of your bulletin. Uh, in the bulletin, there's a spot to make some notes. We're going to get to those points in a little bit. But first, let's begin in Ephesians chapter 5, and let's look at these verses, and let's try and apply it to our hearts. Father, as we look to your word, we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit. Because the Scripture says the Holy Spirit's the one that helps us understand your truth. And he opens our hearts and he gives us instruction, and he gives us wisdom. And so, Father, we pray that we would listen, not just to your word, but to your Holy Spirit. And even the practical instructions that we're going to talk about this morning, let us think about how we can use those things 
to draw us closer to you and to invest our time in your ministry. Uh, Father, we we don't want to just have a a seminar on time. We want to have a commitment to following you. That's our heart. That's our desire. And so I pray that we would draw closer to you through this time and that the decisions that we make and the adjustments we make in our lives would please and honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, let's look at this just a phrase at a time or a little bit at a time. See then. Uh, See, this means to be vigilant. It means to be on the lookout, to be careful. How many of you were raised in farm country? How many of you spent time on a farm? When you're on a farm and you're walking across the field, do you just kind of look up at the stars and go strolling across the field? Are you watching the birds? What are you doing when you walk across a field on a farm? You're looking down. If you don't, you might need to wash your shoes when you're done. And so you're careful. You avoid that. You go around that. And there's a very good reason why you do that, right? Well, the Bible said you need to live that way. Now, it doesn't mean that you walk around making sure you don't step in anything. But what it does mean is you're looking around at life and you're making wise choices with your life. See then, be vigilant, be on the lookout, be careful. This is not just something for older people who have trouble going up and down steps. And I'm really grateful to be on the other side of that. That's where I was last year. Uh, This is not just really being careful. Those of you who wear trifocals, right? When you go down steps, what do you do? You 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 can't just walk down. You got to really look to get the right vision on the right step at the right time. Uh, I always wondered why people went down steps like that when I was a kid. Now I understand. But but see then, he's saying, listen, this is what you need to do. We could say, hey, pay attention here. That's what God is saying through the Apostle Paul to the people in Ephesus, and we're learning from that. See then that you, that you, this is personal. You are not exempt. You are not excused. You need to do this, all right? Which you is he talking about? Every single one of you. He was talking about the people in Ephesus, every single one of them. And now we're learning from that through the Holy Spirit, every single one of us. You're never going to mature so much that you don't need to be careful. In fact, the more you serve God, the longer you serve God, the more Satan wants to take you out. Because if he can take you out, it can impact more people. So you never get to the stage where you don't have to be careful. It's, it's kind of like driving a car, right? Every one of you drives a car with your eyes closed sometimes. Hopefully, it's a very short blink. But if you keep them closed too much, there's a big problem. 
And so spiritually, you need to constantly be looking, adjusting, and then that you walk. Now, this is not just talking about the steps that you take, but how you live, the the direction of your life. It's the conduct that you have in your life. So he's saying, see then that you walk this particular way. Here's something you need to do. Circumspectly. So now, if I walked over where the kids went over into the children's church, and I said, all right, kids, the Bible says you need to walk circumspectly. Do you understand that? They'd probably shake their head, yes. And I said, how do you do that? And they'd look scared. What does circumspectly mean? In a, it means in a careful and deliberate manner. The same attention you would give to a field to make sure you weren't stepping in anything left behind by the horses or cows or other animals. You now take that same attention and you put it in your whole life. And it's not so you can avoid getting gum on the bottom of your favorite shoes. It's so you can walk in a way that pleases the Lord. Be careful how you live. You need to take the time to live well, circumspectly. And then he says, not as fools, but as wise. Some of the other translations say, not as unwise, but as wise. I, I way prefer the King James and the New King James. Not as fools, but as wise. See, there's a lot of people, it's not just that they're not wise, it's that they're actually fools. There are people who spend their whole life on things that don't matter, things that won't be in heaven. Or, in the case of gold, things that will be in heaven, it'll be pavement. So you need to not walk as fools, but as wise. Now, there's an illustration in the Scripture, um, and it's of Mary and Martha. And Jesus went to their house, and what was Martha doing? Martha was making lunch, right? You know, the same Greek word from where we get the word deacon is the word used for Martha serving like that. She was actually serving the Lord, fixing food. And you think, well, that's a great thing. Well, that's what Martha thought. And then Jesus had, was teaching, and Mary was just sitting there. And Martha's working, 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 serving, preparing, and Mary's just sitting there. And so Martha finally goes to the Lord and says, Lord, tell Mary to get in here and help me. And, and the first time you read that, how many of you were expecting Jesus to do exactly that? Mary, get up, go. No, that's not what he does. He says, Martha, Martha. You're troubled about many things. And he says, Mary has chosen that good thing that will not be taken away. You see, God doesn't want you to just serve, 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 serve. He wants you to learn. He wants you to grow. He wants you to soak up his wisdom. He wants you to have devotional times in your Bible. There there are some people that, oh, I'm... I had a friend, we're not close anymore, um, mostly because we we don't live anywhere close to each other. But he had a ministry that was writing sermons, and he sold this package of sermons to other pastors. 
And did, did you know you can go online and you can get all kinds of sermons? And so he had these sermons, this packet, and he'd send everybody who signed up for it, he would send them 120 sermons a year, and then they could use it. And he said it was for guys that, that maybe they didn't have time to study. And, and that's what they, they, all these packages, you can go online, you can get, the, I, you're busy serving people, you're busy helping people, and you don't have time to prepare a message. You know what? If a pastor doesn't have time to prepare a message on a regular basis, he's doing the wrong stuff. Because he's been assigned the ministry of the word, of communicating God's truths. And see, one of the things that's supposed to happen before a pastor ever steps up here to share the word of God, it's supposed to soak in here. It's supposed to bring conviction and adjustment and adaption and the, so that when he gets up to be able to teach it and preach it, it's already beat him up, if you will. And there's sometimes some messages do that, right? I mean, they, they beat you up, and then now you can teach it and you can preach it. Uh, but not as fools. See, there's all kinds of people, pastors included, who are foolishly spending their time doing things that accomplish a little bit, but they're not the higher priority of what God wants. And see, we could be busy like Martha, or we could be devotional and intense and learning like Mary. And I know some of you are thinking, well, the, the true thing is in the middle, right? Jesus didn't want Mary to just sit there the rest of her life. But if you don't have private times of you growing and listening to the Lord, you're missing out. You're missing some direction. And uh, so don't be a fool. Martha was very busy. She was busy serving the Lord. But Jesus praised Mary because she showed wisdom, not as fools, but as wise. And then redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming, making the most of the time that you have. So, excuse me, just a little thought. Be punctual. Learn to be punctual. Everybody's time is limited, and so if a group's waiting on you, then if you're one minute late and there's eight other people in that group, you've just wasted eight minutes, you know? But be punctual. Just practice it. It's a good habit. It's a good thing. Make the most of the time that you have. Why? Because the days are evil. Do we really need to explain that? Or do you understand the days are evil? They were evil then. They're evil now. In some ways, they're more evil now. So we understand that we have to redeem the time. Listen, we have an obligation to use our time to further spiritual priorities. So let's look at four things about time, and, and hopefully we'll learn from that. Number one, time is limited. Time is limited. You know, some parts of our country and some parts of the world, they, they do a thing called daylight savings time. And I was talking with a friend who was in that part of the country, and he said, why don't you guys do daylight savings time? And I said, hey, we're in Arizona. We take time the way God set it up. We don't play with the clock. 
Now, that's not completely true because part of Arizona does go on daylight savings time, the Navajo Nation, because part of it's in New Mexico, and so they all go together. And the Hopi Reservation that's inside the Navajo Reservation doesn't. So if you're up in the northwest corner of the state and you set an appointment with somebody, you have to ask if it's Hopi time or Navajo time because that makes a big difference. But time is limited. Theoretically, you can always earn more money, right? Theoretically. I mean, I know some of you are on fixed incomes, and, but, but theoretically there could be something you could do to earn more money. But you can never earn more time. You use it well or you don't. Time is limited. And every day you get the same amount of minutes in a day, the same amount of hours in a day, the same amount of... By the way, I think in a sermon recently I was talking about our, the earth rotating and I said we're going 24,000 miles an hour. Whoa, you'd be flinging off into space. We, at the equator is 24,000 miles a day. Because the earth is 24,000 miles around, it goes around once in a day. It doesn't go like that. Aren't you glad? Okay. So sorry about that. You know, it, I, it, I thought it right. I said it wrong. And, and uh, I didn't even realize I said it wrong until we were at lunch. And, and then I, I uh, but you, you almost can't count how many times the Bible says it came to pass. See, it's, it's coming to pass. The Bible says in process of time, and it says it came to pass. And, and it came to pass just shows up again and again and again and again. And, and guess what? Something is coming to pass in your life. It's coming to pass. It's happening. So time is limited, and, and time keeps moving. It, it never stops. It never gives do-overs. You can't get that minute back. You can't do anything without time, but there's never enough time to do everything. One of the jobs of being a parent is you have to limit what your kids can do because kids have interest in so many things. And I know parents will say, all right, you can choose three things and what we did with our kid, you can have three activities and we're defining one of them. Our church is a one program. And then, all right, the other two you can pick. And you have to limit because there's never enough time to do everything you could want to do. So you have to use it wisely because it's not going to come again. It's limited. Secondly, time is precious. It's precious. Be careful how you live because life is fleeting. The days are slow. It's been said many times. The days are slow, but the years go swiftly. A a parent with a child who's sick, man, those days seem to be 38 hours long, don't they? And then all of a sudden that kid's asking for the keys to the car to run to the store. It goes so fast. And people waste a lot of time reading fiction, watching movies, playing video games, surfing the net, looking at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat. I am such a big Pinterest fan. 
not not really. I have actually looked on there a couple times, but uh, looking for something specific. Listen, having a little bit of recreation is good. It's not evil to read something that's maybe fiction. I actually love to read historical fiction. So you learn a little bit of history in a way that makes it entertaining. Um, it's not wrong to watch a show. I watched one yesterday. Um, that's not wrong. Kathy watched football yesterday, twice. There were only two games on. <laughs> Would have been more. But, but listen, time is precious. When you give your time to minister to someone else, that's a precious gift. When you listen well to somebody, that's a precious gift. When you use your time well, you are blessed and so are other people. Third, you should plan your use of time so that you have time for your priorities. Have you ever seen that that thing where a guy has a bucket and, you know, you're going to put stuff in a bucket and there's big rocks and little rocks and 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 then... So he starts out with a big, you got to put the big rocks in first. And then you put the medium-sized rocks. And then you put the small rocks. And then you put the gravel. And then you put the sand. And then you pour water. But you fill up the bucket with the big rocks. And, and it, is it full? And people, yeah, yeah, no, it's not full yet. Then you move in the medium rocket. Oh, is it full now? Yeah, yeah, no. Then you do the small ones. And then you do the sand. And when it's full with the sand, oh, yeah, that's full. And then you pour in the water. And... People get the idea, well, you can just keep adding things if you get it in the right order. But that's not the focus of that illustration. The focus is you have to do your priorities right. If you don't do the big rocks first, it won't all fit in the bucket. And so we sometimes focus on the little rocks instead of doing the big rocks first. Brene Brown said, I can safely say that I've never done anything in my life that wasn't hard and that didn't take time. Sorry, she's never done anything significant in my life that wasn't hard and didn't take time. I uh, appreciated Michaela playing the offertory today. And she works hard. I remember the first time she sat at a piano and she had to learn where middle C was. And there's 88 keys there, some white, some black. And which one's the middle C? And if you know the piano, middle C is not right in the middle. <laughs> uh, it's close. But you, you, you have to learn. And then she could play a simple tune, you know. And now she's getting better. Why? Practice. A lot of practice. And when you practice doing things, you can accomplish something bigger. You can squander your time or you can do what Paul said here, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You can use your time wisely. All right, so here's a famous time matrix we'll put up on the screen. And it, it's an a idea that's got around a lot. Uh, I learned this from, uh, oh, brother, I can picture his face. Stephen Covey, uh, back when uh, Franklin Institute invited him to be a speaker, and I went to a conference, and apparently it went so well, they merged companies, and it became Franklin Covey. Uh, but it was 
they were separate at that time. But there's two sides. There's one, there's the side of importance and then the side of urgency. And so in the first square, you have things that are important and urgent. So what would be something that's both important and urgent? Feeding your family. Yeah, now, that's not always urgent, right? But, but there's at least three times a day where that's urgent. But it's always important. Okay, and then you have something that's not urgent but important, and we'll look at that in just a minute. And then quadrant three is not important but urgent. What would be something that's not really that important but it's urgent? I heard something, but a skinned-up knee. <laughs> yeah, it's not that important, but it's urgent. You've got to stop the bleeding, right? Uh, and then number four, not urgent and not important. You, you know what that is? Your job. <laughs> <laughs> Some parts of a job, maybe. And but But the joke is not urgent and not important, that means... That's what your boss wants you to do. So, uh, or maybe that's the not important but urgent because your boss wants you to do it. See, you can't live in an ideal world. But if you could live in an ideal world, you would not focus on what's urgent and important. You would focus on what's not urgent but important. Because otherwise you get swallowed up in the urgent and you just drift and you kind of bounce like a pinball. But the best use of time is to plan for and work for things that are important but not urgent. Prevention, planning, improvement are all important but not urgent. When I was a business manager and I just got moved into the executive level, we had an executive who was there who was... Um, the chief financial officer, and he was leaving the company, and he just got paid a big bonus because he turned our cash flow around. We had been struggling a little with cash flow. He came in in a year. He turned it around, man. It was great. We had all kinds of cash available. This, it was a miracle, right? And he got paid this big bonus, and then he left town. And when he left town, it was my job to go in and look through all his stuff and separate what we needed to keep and what we could get rid of. And I opened his desk. No joke. I found a million dollars worth of payables. Checks that had been written and signed but never put in the mail. We had... Vendors calling and saying, I didn't get the check. We mailed it, you know, seven days ago. We mailed it two weeks ago. We mailed it. No, we didn't. He pulled it out of the mail pile and stuck it in his desk drawer and got his bonus and left town. See, (laughs) by the way, we established greater accountability for the next person who had that job. (laughs) And they had no bonus based on how much money they hid in their desk. So prevention and planning and improvement are all important, but they're not always urgent. It's not urgent to change the oil in your car. When it becomes urgent to change the oil, it's already too late. You needed to do it when it was important, but not urgent. 
it's not urgent to have your personal devotions. You could skip it for a day. Most people wouldn't even notice. If you're married, your spouse would. But most people wouldn't even notice. It's never urgent to eat healthfully. In fact, sometimes it feels more urgent not to, right? Oh, that looks good. It's confession time. When I was up in Sholo and my sister-in-law brought pies for my dad, I ate a tiny little piece, just a little sliver of lemon meringue pie. I'm diabetic. That's like sugar jolt. It was so good. Okay. <laughs> but I wouldn't go near it again after that. That tiny little bit just about blew me away. It's not urgent to eat healthfully. It's not urgent to exercise. It's rarely urgent to listen to somebody. Okay, if it's a cop or your spouse, then it's urgent more often. But it's not urgent to dis disciple yourself or to disciple someone else. It's not urgent to walk with God. But it's important. All of those are very important. And so what you need to do is plan to use your time so that you have time for your priorities by focusing on what's important. When you plan to use your time so that you have time for your priorities, you need to remember that God allows interruptions. Sometimes that interruption comes as a phone call. Or a knock on the door. Or a cry from down the hall. I have learned, and this is serious learning curve, I have learned to view interruptions as divine appointments. Because God can use those in my life. This is something God planned for my day. So I have to go with it. I know I've shared this with you before, but last year was not a good year for me physically. Uh, I started out the year not being able to walk, and it just got worse. And then they replaced my knee, and after three months of therapy, I was doing pretty well, and then I pulled a muscle in that same leg and was back in a wheelchair. And it was just miserable. But, you know, during that time, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with gobs of people. I counted, I think it was 22 different people and medical staff where I could share a little bit of my testimony and my hope in Christ to people I would have never seen if I weren't in that desperate situation. And I got to spend three months with a physical therapist who was a believer but had all kinds of questions and unsettledness about the Bible. And so we would talk while he was hurting me. And... and <laughs> We would talk about what the Bible is, and I would answer his questions, and we would discuss it. I got to disciple another believer for three months, and the government was paying him to do it. So God used these times. Interruptions can be a big blessing from God if you seek what God wants you to do. Like Paul, Lord says, no, you can't go there. Well, Lord, would you want me to go there? No, you can't go there. The question that he asked at first on the road to Damascus, Lord, what would you have me to do? In the interruptions in your day, you need to ask yourself that. And, and 
he learned what it was in that particular illustration. He ended up going over to Macedonia and to Philippi, and we're studying that on Sunday nights, his letter to the people in Philippi. Plan your use of time so that you can have time for your priorities. If you don't, then the urgency is going to keep it up. And then number four, God deserves the best of your time. God deserves the best of your time. Now, in the Old Testament, it talks about giving God the first fruits. I know people who like to tithe their time to the Lord in the same way they would tithe their money. They give the first fruits of their money and the first fruits of their days to the Lord. They want to give God at least 10% every single day. And they want to use their time to honor God. God deserves the best of your time. So even before I became a pastor, we had a plan in our house that Saturday night was not a late night. We would get the kids to bed early on Saturday night so that we could all be ready for Sunday. Because if you don't intentionally get ready for Sunday, you may not be ready for Sunday. And you can show up here, and you can sing, and you can sit through a message, but you're not really ready to receive all the Lord has for you because you haven't prepared your heart. Your relationship with God is vital. It's vital. And your time with Him is the best use of your time. And it's important, even when it doesn't seem urgent, God deserves the best of your time. So Psalm 90, verse 12, we read earlier, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. To think it through, evaluate it, number it. Psalm 31, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Time is limited. Time is precious. You should plan your time so that you can direct your time toward your priorities. The people who accomplish the most in life for the Lord and even for themselves, they focus on their priorities. Some of it do it to the detriment of their spiritual health. But you accomplish more when you focus on your priorities. And God deserves the best of your time. So teach us to number our days. As Paul said in Ephesians, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We need to use our time wisely, because the days are evil, because we will be drawn away if we're not on purpose pursuing the Lord. So there's a song, I like the title of it especially, I Am Resolved. I've made this decision. I've made this commitment. I am resolved. And so we're going to end our service singing this song in just a minute. But before we sing it, I want to see maybe there's a decision you need to make here today. Maybe you need to resolve to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
Maybe you need to resolve to begin having daily devotions. And if you're not sure how to do that, we have some daily breads. I, I don't know if we have any out there now, but that you could start with something like that. It gives you a verse. It gives you a thought. You can read. Just begin. Or you could start with a book of Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. So most of the, you could read one a day for a while till you get that down. Do that for a couple months. But listen, you will always deal with what's urgent unless you direct your heart toward what's important. See, back on the illustration of the feeding the family, as we said, that was an illustration of what's both urgent and important. It is. But what if you don't take time to go to the grocery store? No kid, I was at a friend's house when it was supper time, and they had nothing. And so he and I got on our bicycles, and we rode to Burger King. And then we went back to his house. And I don't know what everybody else in the house did. There was nothing. My mom always planned, and my wife's always planned. And she goes to the grocery store and buys when things are on sale and a coupon, and then she stocks it up, and then we eat it later. God deserves the best of your time. Plan to use your time to honor God, pursuing and following spiritual priorities.